The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover a positive path for spiritual living. Welcome to Voices of Unity with Rev. Jackie Fernandez. And welcome to Voices of Unity. This is Rev. Jackie, and I'm here today from the tower at Unity Village, and it's a beautiful, nearly spring morning, and I'm so excited to continue our series in the season for nonviolence. Um, I wrapped up Black History Month last week, and so we're kind of shifting our focus for the season of nonviolence, and today I've got with me author, healer, spiritual warrior, Matt Kahn. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks for having me. It's truly an honor to be here. Oh, I'm so excited for you to be here. I've got your new book right here in my hand, a galley copy anyway. The Universe Always Has a Plan, The Ten Golden Rules of Letting Go. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I wrote that book in, in such an interesting place. I mean, I was going through so much transition in my life, and I just had this inspiration to really put into this book uh, so much almost like a guidebook for so many beings right now, because we have so much awakening happening on the planet. You know, a lot of things we could see, a lot of people will think, wow, lots of changes and tumultuous activity and yes. uncertainty on the planet. But of course, with personal and collective uncertainty comes uh, great global and spiritual expansion. So I wanted to write a book that gave every person like a handbook of here's how we evolve and expand in the most heart-centered, and of course, as you just said, in the most nonviolent and heart-centered way. Well, and it is that. It is a handbook. And, you know, it's not, you know, a thick 10-pound manual. It's a handbook. It's something I've been carrying it around in my purse, and it's practical. It's in, you know, bite size, and yet there's so much depth to it. So I've read and reread different pieces of it and have learned something new every time, yet each time I feel like I I can walk away with something. I can carry something and immediately put it to practice. So it's very practical. So I applaud you for, I mean, that's an amazing feat to accomplish. Spiritual depth. It's practical. I can throw it in my purse. It's bite size. And yet, you know, it's, it's real nourishment. You know, it's a, it's steak. And fits into any size travel bag. I mean, it's really, it really takes all the boxes. Um, and what was amazing when I wrote this was, you know, because so many people who watch my YouTube videos or come to my events, they always make this joke and they say, oh, God, if I could only take you home with me. Uh-huh. And so when I wrote this book, it was my intention to say, how can I allow this book or a handbook to be like an extension of people's experience at my event so they could literally take the wisdom I channel and the energy I transmit literally with them wherever they go. And so that was the intention. And of course, you set the intention. Yeah. You hope it happens. And then you just kind of see what, what comes through and I wrote this book, um, it it poured through me Mm. in about a month and a half, and I was literally just the conduit for what felt like just literary lightning that wanted to just shoot from the heavens and pour onto each page. And then when I'd go back and I'd read what came through me, I was just astounded as to, you know, the way the universe was making such clear, succinct points. Yeah. And just the way that it was 
you know, presented in a way where, you know, there, there's so much esoteric wisdom, there's so much timeless knowledge. But I think one of the questions we have as people who share it with the world is, how do you present it in a way where it truly lands and sticks? And to my amazement and, you know, my, my humble shock, what came through and what is encoded in every page of this book literally just sticks and lands and shifts things in people. And yeah. it's truly what I've always wanted with everything I do. Uh, I love it. And, you know, I love the way that you are stating that and, and I resonate with that. So it's not, that's not your marketing <laughs> mumbo <laughs> no. jumbo. That's, that's actual, no. like, that's really the experience of it. So I want to take just a moment to introduce you to my audience in case they aren't familiar with your amazing body of work. Um, you and I met last Gosh, it was in the fall, I guess, late fall in Sedona at the Celebrate Your Life yeah. event um, in Sedona. And um, and that was a really fun experience because um, I just had my little 10-minute uh, spiel that I get up and introduce people to Unity because Unity is a sponsor of uh, the CYL events. And, um, you know, and also Liz Don, you know, who runs CYL, likes me to give a prayer because I'm a minister. And I was up right before you. And I was not familiar with your body of work. And and I had no idea what direction you were going to go in. And that, you know, that entire retreat was so jam-packed. Bruce Lipton, Joe Dispenza, Nita Morjani with really heady, you know, thick material. And yeah. so, you know, I was like, okay, how do I... How do I just bring this heart space in and, and, and center people back into their hearts out of the head? Because that's what I needed, you know. And then I'm like, I don't know what, what Matt's going to do. And you were in the room. I didn't know you were in the room. I would probably would have asked you. But it was beautiful because I did like a perfect tee-up. I mean, we had like we – we basketball was like an alley-oop moment, you know. And, and I was talking. I don't know if you remember the idea, baby, we had together. There was an idea, yeah. baby. Yeah. And so I was talking about gratitude. And, you know, and I was saying that, you know, we so often go to the least of, well, at least this and at least that. And I can be grateful. You know, I'm, you know, everything in my life has fallen apart. But, you know, at least um, I have a roof over my head or even worse than that. Or at least I have a car to live in. Or, you know, and we start to like. Right. And, and then you're, you you were talking about that after. And, and you're like, well, it's like satitude. That's not gratitude. That's like satitude. <laughs> <laughs> Sadity, that's what yeah. it was. I was trying to think of the word like yes. what did we call that's, that? That's that was that it. Was like saditude. Saditude. Yeah, saditude, which is uh yeah, it's it's kind of like my life is uh you know my life is a country song, but it, but it, but at least uh at least I have this, which is right. you know, again for even for someone just struggling to find a glimmer of hope, of course, any kind of gratitude. But I, I think in you know, and I know with what material is in this book yeah. You know, instead of it being just at least I have this and kind of just looking for some redeeming glimmer, right. <clears throat> really, really the, the lightning strike of hope mm. is really allowing us to not say here's something bad over here, but at least over here to the left, I have something shiny and beautiful. Whereas what we want to start doing, especially to anchor the energy of unity consciousness, is the very thing where it seems like lack and adversity has dawned in our life. Mm -hmm. We have to actually look in that direction and say, what can we be grateful about 
in this loss. Like, yes, I may have lost the thing that meant so much to me, but can I also see that it's helping to free up my sense of self that was defined by this external value? So and so, we were joking, but the truth is, gratitude is when you find gratitude in the opposite direction of yeah. adversity, yeah. and true gratitude is when you actually are grateful for the thing you never wanted to have happen to you. Yeah. That and and being in the fullness rather than yeah. in the lack, because the other way is like, I, I don't have anything, but well, at least there's this, you know, lint in my pocket, <laughs> right. you know, and, right. you know, okay, well, then let's pull out the lint in the pocket and let's open to the mm. fullness of, of everything that this represents and what the entire circumstances and reality is in our life and, and how do we open up to the abundance that is, you know, inherently present there. So your book is the, the copy I have, it says forward by Kyle Cease, but the forward is not in there. But I do have some words and he's a friend of unity. So I know some of our listeners are familiar with who he is, uh, bestselling author of I Hope I Screw This Up and The Illusion of Money. He says about you, Matt, if you have ever experienced Matt's work before, you know, crazy things are about to happen. If you haven't, just know that you are on an incredible path. With Matt as your guide, you are about to be deeply connected to something magical, transported to a new realm where your soul can grow and expand. And that was the experience I had at CYL then when you got up and and did your keynote presentation. It was really just heart opening and heart expanding um, and healing. Um, And so your bio, this is not your first book. Um, You're a spiritual teacher, empathic healer, and you've become kind of an internet sensation with transformational and often human videos you do have a wonderful yeah. sense of humor which you know to Thank me you. that speaks to that that ability to help open the heart mm. humor humor has a, a magical way of doing that but your other best-selling books are whatever arises love that everything is here to help you and of course now the universe always has a plan um, and then your second book everything is here to help you was recently featured on the Ellen DeGeneres show right so did she like <laughs> she, she put it in her be kind box right she did. When I got the news, you know, I got this email. <clears throat> and whenever you get an email of some really big news, it's always written in the most gentle tone. I remember when I was an actor when I was a child. Uh, I spent most of my um, childhood and my teen years performing. And so when I, when I would get really incredible news from my agent about, Matt, you got your second callback or you booked a commercial, something like that, they always call and say it in like a really soft And so when I got this email about the Ellen thing, it was written so like, okay, Matt, we would like to share some very humble news with you. And I read (laughs) the email that my book, my second book had been chosen for the Be Kind box. And I literally (laughs) was excited. I didn't know it was happening. I was flabbergasted. I couldn't feel my face. It was very interesting. And it was just such an honor. And then I saw the episode where they opened the Be Kind box and my book was right there. And Uh. it was just a really, really... For a couple of reasons. I mean, on a personal level, okay, here's an accomplishment. My book is on the Ellen DeGeneres show. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, you know, <laughs> maybe next time on my vision board, I should put me and my book on the Ellen Right, show, right. But, uh, may I be, maybe. It's going to be very specific. specific. <laughs> but, but, but really, what really touched me aside from the personal side of it was, you know, this is just showing us that this type of material, this type of consciousness is really, really filtering into 
the collective into mm-hmm. the masses into yes. everyday life that you know we're now we're not living in a day and age anymore where you know we just you know huddle at these secret body mind spirit expos and talk our spiritual stuff because it's weird like we're now in a day and age where everyone is experiencing an awakening of consciousness in one level or another and just to see that this kind of consciousness can really start making its way into the mainstream and really touch the hearts of the masses that really for me was a really touching moment um and of course we're seeing that in so many other ways all around the world so many examples and it's exciting it's exciting that this isn't just you know the best kept kept secret on planet earth but that as a planet we realize oh we're here in these bodies to actually evolve our consciousness individually and collectively and it brings us together to start really co-creating the kind of world that we want to live in and that we want to leave for future generations. And so it's, it's really humbling and exciting times. Ah, it's beautiful, beautiful. Well, Matt, you, as you know, have been listed as one of the 100 most spiritually influential living people in the world yeah. for 2020 by Watkins Magazine. I mean, come on now. <laughs> come on now. Come on. Come on. Now. Come on. Let's come see on that now. strut. So I love it. I, I, I was sitting in my apartment going, okay. Just kind of taking this, okay, okay, so, yes, I help a lot of people, it's beautiful, okay, Ellen DeGeneres show, that's wonderful, one of the hundred most spiritual and influential people, it's just, it's it's really humbling, it's really humbling, and I remember when I started my career, before I was known as anyone, and I said to the universe, you know, for, and I said this really clearly, I said to the universe, to me, abundance is that I have a way to get all this teaching and all this wisdom that I download every day from the universe. And I just want a way to get it to the world so that it can benefit and impact people. And to now see how my life has taken shape, you know, nearly 15 years later, and to see that when I get a download from the universe as one of its messengers, that I have a platform that I can just send it out and see whether through social media or at my events or through live stream, I can actually see its direct effect of how what the universe is bringing me is helping so many people. I mean, that in itself is such a relief because in the beginning of my career, I would get all of this juicy teaching Mm -hmm. and I'd want to go share it, you know, and then I went out into the world and you know, I'd go to a bookstore and go, Hey, I'm a spiritual blah, blah, blah. Can I, can (laughs) I teach at your store? And they'd say, Oh, well, you're not anyone yet. (laughs) I'm Uh like, Oh, I, I didn't know how this all worked. So to, to have an ability and a platform that every inspiration that comes through me can literally go out immediately to the world and help people is, is, is kind of what I've always dreamt of and wanting to contribute to this planet. And ah, it's, it's such, it. it's such an, an amazing feeling. That's extraordinary. And I wonder how many of those 100 most spiritually influential living people have also been on the, or at least had their book uh, featured on the Ellen DeGeneres show. Like, I wonder if you have the unique combination of that. You know, I don't know. And how many of those are even, you know, are in contention for people's magazines, Second right. Man Alive? I don't know. Right, I don't right. Know. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, you know, so you need to go back to that vision board. That's the moral of the story. <laughs> that's the moral of the story that I'm going to go back to the vision board and be real specific. Yeah, I love it. You, you, and <laughs> yeah, you have, you know, speaking of being able to get your message out there, you've got 16 million viewers on YouTube. I mean, yeah. 
that's amazing. That is amazing. Thank so, you. so welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. And I just I love your energy. I love um, wow. your work. And yeah, so there are ten golden rules here in this book. And I'm not going to go through all of them. You know, we got to you know leave them wanting more. But I have two that I really want to okay. dive into. Are you are you into it? Totally. Okay. So well, it's good. It's good because 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 here's the funny thing. I wrote the ten golden rules of letting go. You know, and, and then as you let him go. Comes through. <laughs> I couldn't tell you three of them off the top of my head. I don't <laughs> That's know awesome. So you tell me which one you like, and we will we will dive in. Well, you know that. So so you pass the first test, right? Because if you have not indeed let go of your ten golden rules yeah. of letting go, then you know you got to go back. You got to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> okay. So, so I appreciate an authentic healer. Yeah. <laughs> Pract- Thank practice you. what you it- preach, right? Well, you know, the funniest thing is I'll put out a YouTube video. Like I just put out a YouTube video recently called Facing Uncertainty. That was from Saturday's uh, Soul Gathering in Portland. And, you know, I go to dinner with my team afterwards and we we, we all kind of geek out on, oh, my God. And I said this because I'm, I'm hearing it for the first time like everyone else is. Uh-huh. And then I forget everything I teach. And then I will, you know, come across one of my YouTube videos or a clip and I'll watch it. And it's so weird because there I am on the screen saying things that I cannot remember ever <laughs> wow. saying. And I'm sitting there going, well, I know I'm right there. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I don't remember ever saying that. So it's, it's kind of funny when, when, when you let go so deeply, like when I wrote this book, I channeled the 10 golden rules and, you know, kept pressing save on my file to make sure that <laughs> nice. Right in double copying and saving in five different places because I'm like, oh my god, this is so amazing! I, and this has to be published. And then I, I didn't even review the material until I got into the studio to record the audible. And it was like I was discuss- It was like I was reading someone else's book, and I was like, wow. I don't know who this guy is, but oh my god, this is amazing! <laughs> this is good I, stuff. I love the authenticity. The authenticity because I'm a fan of this field, right? Yeah. So yeah, the authenticity of like being able to grab me and just to really just just really connect on that level i mean for me that's 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 the genuine connection of all this love it love it yeah okay so i'm going to take your golden rule number three and your golden rule number nine so let me remind you what those are number three is hardships can be fast-tracked through thankfulness yes Number nine, projecting anger drains you of energy. And so being the season for nonviolence, um, you know, I I've highlighted this episode for because um, I love what you talk about is healthy anger. And, mm-hmm. you know, and you talk about like sort of using your inner artist um, yes. to, to work with anger. And I think that's such a, a really beautiful concept and something that um, that I think I've been working with in my life. And and then when I got into I, I read, you know, I read, like I said, your, your book, I read it through different pieces of it multiple times. And mm-hmm. this morning, just maybe an hour ago, um, I went to the hardships can be fast tracked through thankfulness. And, you know, I have mm-hmm. to say I got really mad. Yeah. I got really mad and um, and just had to sit with it. And I'm not going to give away the ending where we want to go to here. But the piece that you have at the back of the book, the exercise for cultivating the opposite, um, really is where I calmed down. Um, And then I kind of got pissed that I calmed down about it because I still wanted to be mad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's really funny about anger, you know, anger. I think as close as the closest a lot of people get to anger is either 
self-judgment that says it's wrong that I'm angry Mm -hmm. or I've been taught by society or my family that it's wrong that I'm angry because no one likes to feel wronged. So a lot of anger is either it's wrong that I'm angry or I'm angry that I've been wronged by someone Mm -hmm. who I don't think is taking accountability for their actions. So when we look at this energy of it's wrong that I'm angry or I feel like I've been wronged, we have to kind of take a deeper dive. We have to pull up the floorboards of anger and go, okay, but what really is anger? What we find if we really dive in is that anger is repressed, unexpressed passion that well before you were wronged by someone or someone accused you of wronging them, there was a wellspring of creative life force energy that we call consciousness that an inner artist that all of us have either expresses or represses. And when we, the more often we repress our creative energy, and especially on a spiritual path, we tend to be so in the spiritual pursuit of knowledge, of clarity, of wisdom, that we also forget the equal counterpart to spiritual expansion is creative expression. And so when we as human beings are not you know, exercise our inner artist, whether it's dancing, painting, cooking, drawing, writing. Um, you know, I always like to, I always like to remind people that spreadsheets are also creative. Like my brain does not work <laughs> like that is like feels too linear and too database, yeah. but that is its own form of creativity. So I just want to throw that in there. Yeah, yeah, sure. It absolutely can. And you could also take the spreadsheet folded the different, uh, fold it up and cut little pieces and make a snowflake out yeah, of it. Yeah, exactly. Creative. And, yes. And, and so I think whenever we are creatively expressing ourselves equal or almost thinking of creativity like a spiritual practice, what happens is we are circulating the energy of consciousness, which means passion is regularly expressed instead of repressed. And when we don't repress our passion – we find that the way we perceive the world is not pulling us into either judging ourselves for feeling something wrong or feeling like anyone is wronging us. And I think what's amazing is as a potential for world peace and global change is if our inner artists are constantly given a chance to express itself, we're not actually going to get so mad at some of the things that we see, whether someone's going to react to political corruption or, or various things that none of us in the world will really want to live and see continue. But when we can actually see clearly without the disruption of anger, the things that don't seem fair, then we can start organizing, peacefully demonstrating, and simply demanding positive change without needing conflict to pull us into our least redeeming feelings and reactions. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. I mean, when you're talking about, you know, repressing that passion um, mm-hmm. versus expressing it creatively. And, mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm thinking, OK, so that you, you're describing an entire spectrum and yeah. either, you know, one end is oppression and the other end is that free flowing creative expression that is our divine um, inheritance, our divine nature and way of being. Um, yeah. And so when we sort of. Um, short circuit that with anger, then we we are moving more on the along the spectrum toward repression. If I'm understanding where you're going, with yeah. That. If we look at if we listen to music like like the blues, for example, you know the blues or some of the most gut wrenching songs, whether it's country music, the blues, or you know where where the origins of jazz would come from, mm-hmm. is that oftentimes music is the way in which 
we celebrate hardships and adversities. You know, most songs don't include the words, this shouldn't be. Right. And, and so what, what I think is so beautiful about creativity is that creativity isn't for us to do something creative to take a break or to avoid or bypass adversities or hardships. Creativity is the way in which we process and synthesize hardships through our nervous system. And by learning to celebrate it through creative expression, what we find, and of course all of us are living testimonies of this in one way or another, all of us in our lives, either in our upbringing or in certain stages of our life, have, have had adversities mm-hmm. or humble beginnings in some way. And if we think of the best memories in those humble beginnings or adversities, we think back and we say, yeah, it was tough. Yeah, we barely made ends meet. But I remember how we came together as a family or we came together. And I remember like some of the fun little games we would make up, right? We had no money, but we, but we came together and the experiences we had were some of the best times of my life. And so I think what really we, we find with creativity is adversity doesn't define our self-worth because there's a creative force inside of us that says, I always know how to make the best of a situation if I'm able to accept that the situation is what it is. And so creativity is just our way of being able to say, yes, this is happening. And if there aren't a lot of ways to change this for the better, let's make the best of the experience and let's celebrate it with art, with music, and let's birth a deeper culture out of the things that have come our way. And that for me is what's so beautiful about music, about art, why I'm such a fan of supporting art in schools for children. And it's because there's one of the only ways we're going to truly spread consciousness on this planet is not just giving people greater spiritual wisdom to, you know, mull over, but really teaching people how to face the deepest battles that have come to life and to say, let's celebrate this, let's honor it, and let's allow the creativity within us to show us that even at the brink of disaster, we can actually make the most of our situations. Mm, I love it. You know, as an, an artist and as a musician, I really, that's music to my ears. And, yes. you know, it's, you know, art has been, you know, I think since the first person walked the face of this planet, um, a way that we have worked through our uh, hardships, our wounds, and, and have healed through them. And it is through that expression, being able to um, give expression to things that are often unnameable or indescribable through words. And, uh, you know, music can lift us and carry our emotion out, which helps us provide that clearing to our being. So I think that's just really powerful what, what you're saying about that. Okay, there's our music. And so we're going to be back. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Matt Kahn. And I think we're going to take this um, a little deeper and really sit in, in what it means to have hardships and adversity. We'll be right back. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. 
Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Voices of Unity with Reverend Jackie Fernandez. And we are back with Matt Kahn, spiritual healer, author, um, all-around great guy. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a diminutive way. Matt, you are just such a warm, a warm heart, and just it, it feels good to be in your presence, even from a distance. You're in, uh, calling in from Seattle today. So we have been talking about hardships being fast-tracked through thankfulness, and we've been talking about anger and, and our tendency to repre- repress um, passion is sort of where you take that conversation of anger is either repressed passion or we are moving into creative expression. And so I want to take this because one thing that you said um, within all of that was talk, you, you mentioned accepting a situation, um, meaning a situation of adversity or hardship, and um, so that it doesn't define us. And so I want to take this like a little deeper. And in your book, you talk about your personal experience. You talk about um, a drunk uncle um, who sort of called you mm-hmm. out in front of um, family members. You also talk about yeah. um, the anger expressed by your parents. So I want to take this to like that again, as you do such a beautiful job in your book of the, taking it to a really practical um, uh, way of talking about it. Yeah, I've had experience with my life. And again, I'm not. I'm, I'm no different than everyone else in terms of we've all had experiences of either being angered by other people's actions or other people acting angry towards us. I've had, I've had some very uh, interesting life-defining moments where I've experienced people being angry with me. And as a sensitive, empathic being, like so many of us are, you know, when I sense someone uh, mad at me, I, I feel their experience so in my, so deeply in my body that it feels very traumatizing, and it's very easy for a lot of us to become these kind of meek, people-pleasing mechanisms where we want to figure out what can I do to make them feel better so that I don't have to feel this anger in my body. But, you know, when we want to tie it all into acceptance, I think one of the first I think the first thing we have to make sense of is that we're not accepting that we like the situation we're in. We're actually accepting that the situation is happening not by surprise, it's, or it's not happening by um, mistake, rather. It's not happening by accident. That the universe <clears throat> has divinely appointed us to play these characters, to mm-hmm. be in these circumstances. And although we don't like how it feels, <clears throat> it is truly <clears throat> the most fertile ground. Adversity, that is, is the most fertile ground for our evolution to grow and expand because it forces us to get down to and align with the spirit within us. And of course, as a promise of the future, we will one day live in a world where we can align with our spirit without needing adversity to remind us to look within and realign. But in current times, we are currently (coughs) utilizing each and every opportunity to really, really align, to ground, and to go through the awakening process. And so whenever we experience someone being angry, anger is often the way an ego processes a series of adversities where they are unaware that it is for their spiritual growth, even though it's in opposition to their ego's desires. So when you're experiencing someone being angry with you, you're experiencing someone who's steeped in spiritual evolution, someone who's on a healing journey and has no idea what's going on or why it's happening. And so a lot of, like in my book, I also talk about when people are angry, it's their soul's way of saying, 
I'm so overwhelmed with what's happening in my life. I'm literally being angry with you, trying to demand the space that I don't know how to give myself. So as a very practical tip, when you're around someone who's being angry, and of course there's the difference between someone who's angry about a situation and someone who's projecting their anger onto you. And as energetically sensitive souls, we have to really just feel what's really good for us and not be afraid to say to someone, hey, I'd love to be here for you, but the anger is too much for my nervous system or the way you're projecting your anger onto me is not feeling good to me and it's not the way I wish to be treated. So I'm going to respond to your anger by giving you the space you may not know that you need. And so as empaths, as energetically sensitive souls, as awakening beings, one of the greatest ways that we can actually deal with anger is by knowing when to create and maintain boundaries. And that what we're really teaching people to do is how to treat us. Because when we are personally angry, our anger is I needed a boundary with someone I needed to take space for my own healing journey, and I didn't get the message. And so when we don't get the message of when to create space or I've been hanging out with someone for a few hours and my body is telling me it's time to move on, we start to feel resentment. And then from resentment, it becomes bitterness, and through bitterness, we get to anger. And so when people are angry with us, we create boundaries and we learn to speak our truths, not just think about them. And when we are angry, it's our soul saying to us, you need more space alone, even if that makes your ego feel lonely and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And so I think when we look at anger, there's a lot of real functional and practical tips we can utilize to make sure that other people's anger doesn't get projected onto us and to, of course, make sure that our anger doesn't overwhelm us. And in that space, in that boundary, in that space when we can be alone that's when something like creative expression can be such a healing modality. That's powerful. And I love that you mentioned setting boundaries because, you know, in that context of accepting Uh, a situation, people can often misunderstand that as just like, well, well, am I supposed to be a doormat? Am I supposed to allow someone to treat me however, you know, they want and I continue? And um, no, that's that's not the dynamic that acceptance is, is meant to create, is accepting the situation for what it is. Um, but also then that allows you by accepting it, that allows you to create boundaries, that allows you to invoke self-care if you need to remove yourself from a dynamic um, yeah. or, a, or a circumstance. Um, because if you're not in acceptance of it and you're you know, sort of thinking of it as more as what you want it to be or hope it to be or wished it were rather than what it is, then you can't truly set helpful boundaries. Absolutely. So I think it's not, we're not using acceptance to justify people's behavior. We're not saying, well, I accept that I must deserve this, which of course is never the case, or I accept this person, you know, I'm I'm with a person who just happens to have an anger issue. Um, You know, I I mean, just, just to make it more ironic, no one has partners with anger issues. People are in relationships with issues and setting boundaries. And so real acceptance says, I accept that this person is angry with me because they need space to themselves that they don't know how to ask for, or they may not even know they need. And I accept that I'm on the receiving end of their anger because life is giving me the chance to speak my truth and to strengthen my ability to create boundaries because most likely that's a skill set I may not be good at. And most people only know how to find courage in setting boundaries 
by being angry, like someone's right. angry with you, and I'm going to roar back as a lion, which is kind of a false sense of courage, because a lot of people get very sensitive to, I'm going to tell another person something they don't want to hear, and I'm so worried about hurting them, or I'm so worried about disappointing them, because as impasse, whatever lacking experience someone else has, we also feel in our bodies. So it's very easy that we're not true to ourselves because we're taking too much time to actually care for the feelings of other people, which is an act of self-betrayal, which is what also, in addition, festers the inner resentment um, of anger. And so really we have to look at self-love is not trying to be unconditionally loving to all people. We have to accept that everyone has a team of spirit guides. Everyone has their own consciousness. Everyone else's job is to be unconditionally loving to themselves. Our job is to first be that source of love for us. And if what we need is a boundary, we also accept people's experiences, people's reactions, and we allow ourselves to create boundaries we allow ourselves to sometimes not be popular in the eyes of people who may not treat us well. And we start to really cultivate the self-worth that says, why am I afraid of disappointing someone who doesn't treat me as loving as I demand and insist? May I start surrounding myself with people that teach me how much more love I deserve to receive. Oh, yeah. That choice. The choice enters yes. the picture. And the choice to um, provide loving situations and communities for ourselves to support that self-love. You know, so in the in the chapter, hardships can be fast-tracked through thankfulness, you know, and we're, we're kind of, you know, dancing around it a little bit. And I, ha I have highlighted here on page 40, may <laughs> I be a gift, and this is a mantra that you worked with, a daily intention, may I be a gift yeah. that is received in the lives of everyone I encounter. That's a beautiful intention. May I be a gift that is received yeah. in the lives of everyone I count encounter. And then you ask, what if I received even an insult as a gift sent from their divinity, even if gift wrapped by the projections of their ego? And you yeah. say it was such a ridiculously liberating suggestion that I had to test it out. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, you're like, this is so ridiculous and liberating. Ridiculous. I got to test yeah. it, right? Is this true? Like, does this does this pan out? And when we talk about being a gift, and and you go on to give some, you know, some really you know, difficult situations to 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 hold this intention, you right. know, in the well, face yeah. of someone who is insulting you, yeah, and you know, well, yeah. Well, I, I think that the, the overarching gift whenever someone's ego is projecting anything onto you is that they are giving us an opportunity to strengthen some weakness. And so historically, I'm a very energetically sensitive person. I love talking about deep conscious matters, obviously, through my whole life. I was always, you know, when I was a kid, I always wanted to hang out with adults more than kids my age because mm -hmm. I just thought the conversations were more stimulating. And <clears throat> I would notice that in the heat of adversity, when people got mad or there was confrontations, I was so afraid of getting beat up or attacked or, you know, blindsided by someone that I would really cower and shrivel in the presence of someone else's anger. And I would rather retreat and run away than kind of step forward and, and, and share my side. Um, and that was due to a lot of experiences I had in my, my, in my upbringing. Um, and so 
as I evolved spiritually, I realized that when I say thank you for this gift, it's, it's not just saying it because, oh, Matt Kahn wrote it in a book and that's going to be the psychic kung fu that I am right. trying to make us feel better. Really, what we're coming from is a place of saying I genuinely see that this person is creating a moment where I get to face a weakness within me. And we know it's a weakness because and it's not a judgment because the weakness is what causes us to feel unsafe. And so we could look at it from two different points of view. We could say from the ego's point of view, I am unsafe. Let me put myself in a place of greater safety. And for some of us in, in certain situations, that's exactly what we should do. Mm-hmm. But when we are in a position of really being aligned with our soul, we are saying the lack of safety is because there is a weakness in me that needs to be strengthened. Am I ready to step forward and strengthen that weakness And it starts with seeing this person and the presentation as a gift. And from seeing it as a gift, from aligning with that perception of gratefulness or thankfulness, what then happens is that we then have the freedom of will and the choice point to be able to say, I can now choose how I'm going to respond because I'm, I'm excited to strengthen a weakness, not just react to perpetuate the belief that I have in my subconscious mind. So if we are allowing ourselves to say, wow, living in this kind of anger with this person and living being treated abusively is not a gift that I would like to receive each and every day. But if I'm going to be in a situation where someone reacts to me and I see it as a gift so that I have the choice to evolve instead of just regressing through emotional reaction. And, and just by seeing it as a gift, you're going to have just enough space where you can choose how to respond. And as long as you choose how to respond, you're always going to come out of that moment um, more aligned on a spiritual level and more preserved on an emotional level. So just by seeing it that way, we start to have the space and perspective to really respond with more diplomacy instead of reacting and reflecting back someone else's anger to them. That's a lot. That is so much, you know, and it's, you know, it's really hard to poke a hole in that, you know, Uh, (laughs) and yet I, it's hard. It is that, and that's what makes it right. Spiritual practice, because it's something that we have to stay engaged with and, and practice. And there's, you know, when you get to the end of this chapter on uh, thankfulness and you talk about, you know, saying thank you, to yes. someone who has created an undesirable situation. And, and that's where yeah. I just kind of was like, you know, you say, you know, the mantra is thank you for this gift. And, yeah. and I think in, so often if that conversation is had like just a snippet, even like just if that was all somebody heard was that Matt Kahn said, thank you for this gift, even though somebody just punched you in the face. You know, it's, right. you know, it's, it's, it can be easily misunderstood. And I think it gets passed around in spiritual circles um, without the full teaching of it. Of and, um, and so even as I was reading it, I was like, oh, this again, you know, thank you for this gift. And, I, and I'll share with you that um, I was sexually assaulted a number of years oh, ago. Sorry. And um, and that's something, you know, that has been a critical part of of my spiritual path, you know, healing um, in and through that experience and and, you know, having this sort of mantra of what someone meant for evil, God will use for good. I will use for good. God as me will use for good. And um, and even saying those words on days when I had no idea what that meant or if that was even possible. 
um, yeah. but being present to the possibility and then through faith. Um, and so when I come to this kind of teaching of like, and so I'm supposed to look at, you know, there are multiple attackers, so I'm supposed to look at them and say, thank you for this gift. Yeah. No, yeah. thank you. No, thank you. Right. <laughs> you know, I, and, yeah. and, and, you know, and so, you know, I have to sit with that because I also know it's, I've been through enough of the healing to know that, um, it, there are times when you just can't say that to someone because they have to come to the understanding of it on their own. And, and I'm, I'm deeply grateful that I do have that understanding and it's not always clear. And I'll tell you, Matt, you gave me some real clarity about it. And it's mm. it's towards the end of the book, uh, excuse me, the chapter when you in the exercise of cultivating the opposite, because you know, I was still like when I got angry. I was like, no, nah, not this again. I don't want to say. And can it just be OK that I don't say thank you for this gift? Can I not yes. have to do that? And yes. can they just go their way? I'll go mine. I'm doing my healing. I'm, you know, I'm in it. It's, you know, it's been years and I'm still, you know, receiving different kinds of therapies and different kinds of help and and continually evolving my work around it. But can I just stop energetically connecting myself to them? By, I'm supposed to say thank you for this. And then these words came out of your pen or your keyboard if there's yeah. any justice in this world, may I be more evolved than those who have hurt me. So yeah. in knowing my deepest pain, I guarantee that no one in my presence shall ever endure the pain that I have endured. This helps me break the cycle of abuse. Through forgiveness, unfairness is a gift that only helps me be more kind. Thank you, unfairness. Yeah. Thank you for this gift. Yeah. Ah, and I hate it and I love it. You know, yeah, there's well, such true yeah, and, and that word justice that is justice. the justice. You know, what the justice you, system will not yeah. give me. This is right. th that spiritual karmic justice. And right. oh, so powerful. Well, you know, and, and I love what you're saying. And I thank you for really sharing so openly about what happened to you. And what, I'll say a few things in response just to really kind of cement this in. For, first of all, I would say that, you know, we say thank you for the gift when we are aware that even the most hurtful unjustifiable, most unconscionable moments in our lives somehow triggers in us an ability to evolve into a higher level of consciousness than the people that perpetrated and, and trespassed against us. So when we are aware that life can only make me better, right? Everything changes, but yeah. it only changes me for the better, which I know is one of the golden rules. Mm -hmm. uh, when we are aware of that, we can start to go towards thank you. And if we're not at a place of being aware of how this is making us better, right? Because the fixation when we are healing abuse or trauma is I can't see how it's making me better because I'm too stuck in the pain right. of how someone wronged, wronged me. Right. But what I'll say to you is this, as someone in my own life, because I think the power of my words is not just I'm saying to someone who have had abusive experiences, like, hey, here's a fancy spiritual way to look at things. Like I'm, I'm sharing with the world what I have used in my own life to become who I am on an energetic and spiritual level. So what I'll, what I'll say, which is not written in the book, but I'll say to you, Jackie, is that someone who has said thank you to this gift enough times cultivates the pure humility to be able to, to meet someone like you and to actually say the words that are like the soulmate, the divine counterpart to thank you for this gift. And the divine counterpart to thank you is I'm sorry, mm -hmm. because you were affected, you were abused, not by me, but by members of, of my human race. 
And because they're not in a place to perhaps face their charges or to understand or comprehend what they did to you, on behalf of them, through the oneness of all, I will say to you, Jackie, on behalf of them, I'm so sorry for what they did and for what they didn't know they were doing or had created in you. I'm truly sorry, and on behalf of your abuse, I will make it my role and my purpose to make sure that they are included in my prayers for forgiveness, because forgiveness is not forgetting what happens. Forgiveness is saying these people that affected you, Jackie, so in such a traumatizing fashion, I need to appeal to the universe, and I need to say I need these perpetrators pushed to the front of the line so that we can redeem their soul and transform their consciousness to make sure there's not another victim left behind or not another victim who goes through what you went through. And the power of forgiveness is when you say, yes, please heal me. But we truly know on the deepest level that the way in which you're going to be healed by consciousness is when you say to the universe, as much as I desire for myself, Please make sure the people that perpetrated against me are blessed, healed, and redeemed first to make sure no one else is treated the way I was treated. And when you ask for their soul to be redeemed first before your own personal desires, that triggers a level of humility that transcends fairness and awakens the karmic justice of spiritual expansion and healing in you. I'm just breathing through that. Yeah, it's a lot. And it I'm is sorry. a lot. It is a lot. I'm and truly it's, sorry. It's beautiful, and I feel that. Um, yeah. I feel that justice. I feel that, and and it's a practice. It is a practice to bring yes. that forth in me, and and I can almost, um, I can I can smell the fragrance of mm. of the gift in that, and what that experience yes. brings, and and you know, I think I I have some room to to grow into that forgiveness. And, you know, I think because that kind of work comes in, in cycles and where I Mm -hmm. have done that, you know, years ago, but I I was not who I am today. And I think we can always take that deeper and to be able to do that um, with the consciousness I hold today at a much deeper level. And and thank you for joining that, that practice and and, and folding that into your prayers because, you know, we're two or more gathered, right? Our prayers are magnified. Absolutely. And I I do it for your healing. I do it for the healing of any victim. I also do it for the healing of any perpetrator because I am someone on this planet who who lives my life making sure that the consciousness of the planet doesn't see anyone victimized and doesn't see any unprocessed victim being pulled into the role of the predator or perpetrator. And so it is, is, and, and really for all of us, I remember when I was a kid, And I said this consciously, my greatest desire is to serve the will of God. I said this. And so for me, being a spiritual teacher is actually a very deep life commitment. That's not just when I'm on stage or being interviewed. That's how I live my life. And for all of us, when we were in heaven before we incarnated, our greatest desire was to have a chance to experience ourselves as an individual expression of source and to serve the will of God. And the will of God always says, no matter what you have done, no matter who you are, The kingdom of heaven will always welcome you home to be redeemed and to be reborn 
as your original form. And so when we are people who have been put in situations of treated so atrociously and treated so unfairly, and we have the opportunity to say, may the people that hurt me the most be blessed before me so that no one else can be hurt. When we're saying it from such humility, such compassion, and such a place of presence and grace, we are actually fulfilling, we are actually living out the will of God because only the God in you, Jackie, could say such a thing. And so when we're actually doing that, the true forgiveness is remembering this might all be some sort of setup. And yes, there's no way to justify abuse on any level, but thank you for the consciousness within me that gets to actually serve the glory of what has brought me to life. And thank you for the opportunity for me to participate in not only healing and redeeming someone else's soul for when their soul is redeemed and healed, my heart is transformed and purged of all the memories that have plagued me. And so it's a very deep process. We take Mm -hmm. it slowly and we have to do it authentically. And that's, again, every step of each golden rule is to walk people through a process and it should only be done at the speed in which is right and true for each person. I love it. And those those are such powerful words and such words of grace. Thank you for that. For myself and for so many. So hardships can be fast-tracked through thankfulness, golden rule number three. Mm -hmm. That's so powerful. This is a chapter I think I'll be reading and rereading for a while, and I think I'll I'll post that, um, the Cultivating the Opposite, um, somewhere where I can read it easily. I love that. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much, Matt. We're coming to the end of our hour, so I want to just kind of have a little wrap-up and and just be – just express my gratitude for you, for your willingness to be present to me and um, and to the listeners and to the work that is channeled in and through you and the gift that you are in this world. Thank, oh, thank you. you. Thank you for having me. It's an, and thank you for sharing. It's truly an honor. I mean, whether you are someone who's healing abuse in your life or like in my life, I didn't experience <clears throat> directly that kind of abuse, but my life is steeped in, in praying for, for others. We're all in this together. We, we are. are. We are. And that's our music. And <laughs> our time is up. So until next time, I always ask people to tune in and tune up in spirit. And so I'll be back next week with Amita Swadeen from Mirror Memoirs. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.